0: This episode of Watching the Throne is brought to you by you, the listener. We've chosen to keep the show ad-free and only ask for something small in return. Please head to iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. Those reviews really help with our exposure. And if you'd like to make a small monetary contribution, head to patreoncom podcast, where you can donate increments of as small as one dollar per month. Thank you so much, and stay wavy. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert, and today we are going to be doing a story with Timothy and Burnside. Timothy, thanks for joining us today. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody?
1: Hey, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I am um, here in Washington, D.C. at the Smithsonian Institution's National Museum of African American History and Culture, uh, where I work in curatorial affairs to help collect artifacts, and develop exhibition content.
0: Jeez. <laughs> That's
1: a mouthful, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so that gets into a lot of the, not just, as it says in the title, history of African-American culture, uh, African-American culture and history, but also uh, the contemporary <clears throat> things that are going on, which came up with Kanye West visiting uh, the museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a lot of Kanye fans know from a bit of buzz that came up, Kanye visited the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. Uh, and after that, you wrote this great article, uh, Musical Crossroads, Finding Kanye West's Influences in Our Collections. Um, and what, uh, what stood out to you in writing that article and the influence that on Kanye from what you discovered?
1: Well, it was interesting to kind of think about connections that can be made between the more historical stories that are presented in our exhibitions and um, more contemporary figures. And to kind of just really briefly with that piece, explore those, those uh, kind of different relationships. And so it was just kind of interesting to me as I thought about you know where we were already doing that, that it was such a natural uh, fit in a way, and um, to focus on a group like The Last Poets, for example, in relationship with the track that um, Kanye produced with Common or the relationship with Jay Dilla, for example, you know, those were just um, just, again, these kind of natural storylines in or in terms of, of making the connection. So that was kind of the the goal of that was to demonstrate that this, you know, someone like Kanye West is really just part of a continuum.
0: Mm. Uh, very much so which you hear sonically in his music it gets discussed in his lyrics a lot there's so much on uh the album yeezus that refers back to i feel sonically and descriptively a lot of moments in black culture uh in black history in america whether that's uh slavery or the civil rights movement or uh modern race relations uh, there's a lot of depth there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh So you said that you got to outline briefly in this article some of those things. Did you, in looking into it, want to write like a 30,000-word, (laughs) 40,000-word post?
1: Um, You know, it it could have been a much larger kind of examination. Um, But one of the things that we like to do with the, the more digital platforms for the museum is provide these kind of brief moments, these little glimpses into um, different aspects of the collection and of the exhibition, and so the things that I mentioned um, are currently actually on view for the most part and can be experienced here in the building. But then we were also able to link to those online uh, records and resources for for the for the public who, you know, not who, who people who can actually come to DC, they can experience <laughs> it virtually on you know online through our through our website through our collections page. Um, because the goal, you know, for any, anything like that is really to connect back to the collections and connect to what we're doing here in, in the museum. Um, again, not just in our exhibitions, but just kind of the, the way we think about documenting and, and preserving these stories.
0: Because yeah, there's something that seems, I don't want to say like unreal, but people go to a museum and it tends to be something that they experience in that microcosm. And may not necessarily connect to their day-to-day in everything that they mm-hmm. do. But to then get an article that shows that these things that are at the museum, the, like The Last Poets, as you said, actually has a connection to a modern figure that's mm-hmm. not just alive but is continuing to make work that is influenced by these things is kind of fascinating in making what's at the museum feel even more concrete and part of the day-to-day.
1: Yeah, it's important for us to be able to present stories that, you know, it's important for us to present stories that allow people to see themselves reflected and um, by including not just historical, you know, uh, music and performing arts, for example, but bringing it up to more of the present. um, And Dilla is a great example of that. Um, even a group like public Enemy being present in the museum you know provides an opportunity for a completely kind of different audience or different community of people to see themselves reflected. They can relate to this directly in a way that that they maybe couldn't relate to other um, notable musicians or, or figures in performing arts. And you know that's and again like that's what this museums all about you know is is being a place where, everyone from any kind of walk of life or perspective um, can can come and feel as though they have a connection, but also be learning about what they're not familiar with. And um, with the music exhibition, that's one of our main goals is to attract um, different generations, different communities um, for different reasons and hopefully see, help them see and hear and feel and understand that all of this is deeply connected and maybe they can be interested in something that they had previously written off, you know, because of, of that, of that, you know, kind of discovery.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And well, in talking about that shared background uh, when exploring the musical influences on Kanye, did you feel that uh, he shared a lot of the same influences with other musicians? Was there anything about the influences on his work, that stood out to you?
1: Well, I think that, you know, as I mentioned in that, in that blog post, like he's, he's kind of, um, known for taking things one step further sometimes. Right. So instead of just, like, as I said, instead of just sampling the last poets on a record, you know, they're present in that moment and they have new content that's on that track. And, you know, to kind of just continue to push things and elevate and also in a way, you know, pay respect to those who came before. So I think that the decision that he and Common made to do that speaks volumes to their commitment to um, not just understanding the history, but um, like like I said, elevating it, you know, and positioning it um, in a way that only they can with the kind of platform that they have you know, especially at that time, like that was a huge moment. Um, And, you know, that, that to me just kind of um, symbolizes a connection overall. You know, it's hard to just pinpoint one moment or another. I mean, there are so many, that's the problem. There are so many moments that you could kind of refer to where um, you can kind of feel, feel those connections and feel that influence. But that one in particular, you know, not everyone in hip hop is, is, doing those kinds of things um and not just shout it's one thing like i said to shout people out you know but it's another to include them
0: right that use of uh as you said umar bin hassan uh, and then on other albums kanye's used gil scott heron Mm -hmm. it really does introduce those artists to a new generation in a way that just shouting them out doesn't because they get to see the work they get to hear firsthand
1: Right, and then on the flip side, somebody who's really into Gil Scott here and The Last Poets might listen to a Kanye track.
0: <laughs> right. Which, uh, sonically, is it strange to hear, uh, you know, the Last Poets in the time frame where they were creating the most versus where music is with the sounds that, like, Kanye and Common are making? Does that sometimes blow your mind?
1: <laughs> well, I think that, you know, when, when it... Fits it fits and and today especially you know the messaging and the overall kind of vibe is very much appropriate and necessary and you know needed um, and for that particular you know I, I often think about songs as moments because these artists are creating a moment for us right like they're 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 making something that they know is going to be a different experience for every single person who listens to it and. I think that's crucial when you think about, um, I'm kind of over this whole like, oh, well, they're, they're message music or they're this or they're that, like it is what it is and everyone's going to take something away that is going to be then internalized and processed differently, you know? So the the inclusion of The Last Poets, of course, symbolically is really um, important, but you know, it's again, it's a continuation of the kind of work that Common had already been doing, and the kind of work that come, that Kanye, you know, um, sonically both, and and in terms of content and in messaging, um, has been part of his journey as well. So I think that it fits. I I, I think that um, not many artists do it in a way that is so fluid and seemingly, um, you know, just just natural, and it's not it's not felt forced. It's not a collaboration that feels like it has to happen in reaction to the world around it. It This feels like, or, this feels more organic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it work so well.
0: Very, very much. And so Kanye's sound has evolved very much over the course of his albums. I think somebody that listens to the college dropouts and then listens to The Life of Pablo uh, spanning that mm-hmm. discography uh, would be like, this is the... This is the same artist, this guy making all of right. these soul sounds on the college dropout and then making uh, whatever these new uh, sounds are on the life of Pablo. Uh, how does that change in sound fit in with your perspective of uh, the African-American music scene and music scape?
1: Well, I think that, you know, Connie is an example of someone who is not afraid to change and not afraid to go with his, you know, whatever new directions he's interested in. And I think that's very much a continuation of a lot of African-American musical traditions. Um, You think about a Miles Davis who, you know, the same kind of thing where different projects, different records sound nothing alike. Um, And that wasn't always a goal. He didn't say, I I want to sound different. He's just like, I want, I'm going to sound how I sound. And if it's different to you, then okay. You know, but it's still me and it's still what I'm creating. I think that that kind of attitude is very much like a Kanye attitude. Like this is my moment. This is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm expressing, you know, and if it's quote unquote different then so be it, but it's still me and I'm still going to be my authentic creative self and, you know, if that means you're not able to put me in the same box, then oh, well, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> um, so I think there are a lot of interesting, you know, uh, parallels with a lot of different artists, like like in jazz in particular, where it's just like it is what it is, man. Like you can take it or leave it. Like I really don't care.
0: <laughs>
1: and, and it's a beautiful thing. You know, this freedom of creativity, um, of course, that comes a lot easier to, to people who have the means to be that free, um, right. and Kanye absolutely does. Um, but you know that it's it, 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 he fits right in with with again like the whole that whole kind of trajectory.
0: Uh, that's good to get historical context on it because I I feel like a lot of conversations I see surrounding that dynamic of old Kanye versus new Kanye that gets brought up. Is mm-hmm. some people talk about that what he's doing now is messy or not like and not in line with the kind of soul sound that he was doing that was meaningful that this is mm-hmm. somehow less meaningful sonically. Um, but again,
1: meaningful to who <clears throat> right. and 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 why and you know I, I guess. One of the things that I've taken away from from working on, you know, our music and performing arts collections and exhibitions with my colleagues, um, among many other projects um, for the museum, you know, is this is this notion of stifling creativity and um, putting expectations on artists to be what we want them to be versus to be who they want to be. And, you know, Kanye is in very clear defiance of those kinds of labels and those kinds of expectations. Um, and you know, that, that historically is something that is, is, I think, um, felt more than others in terms of, um, what black artists have been, um, I guess allowed to do, which is, which is, you know, for, for so long, so many musicians and artists had to do what they were told by record labels, by songwriters, by producers, as opposed to having the kind of free like freedom in their creativity that they always wanted. Um, and I think that we often forget that artists have uh, an artistic drive. That's why they do what they do. You know, and and if you don't like that project, don't listen to that project. If you like, quote unquote, old Kanye, so listen to old Kanye. You know,
0: <laughs> it's it, there.
1: It's there. And um, it's not it's not one artist's job to be who you want them to be. They're not here. They are here for us, but they're also not here for us. If that makes sense, you know, like it is their job to be creative and if it's not your cup of tea then oh well you know it's one thing to make a bad record you know (laughs) um you know that but again who's who's defining that as bad um as opposed to just going in a different direction you know and I think that the lines often get blurred between like well this isn't just this isn't what I want versus I'm going to label this as bad yeah. Yeah. it's just up to preference often. And again, that, that whole, you know, I, I had a conversation with um, Kim Weston who uh, sang under Motown for years and was part of the big tours and reviews. And, you know, she's like, I had to go out every night and I had to wear this, you know, pretty dress and look a certain way and sing these songs that were written by men um, for me to sing about men, whether I loved them and missed them, I wanted them, I was so happy to have them. Oh, um, and you know, and I, she's like at some point, all I want, you know, I, my voice wasn't being heard, and so she, when she was able to finally do her own project, yeah, she she had a different vibe to it because that wasn't her authentic self, you know, and that is something that that for for a long time has not, um, being authentic has not, it has kind of been a luxury for a lot of artists historically. And we run into dangerous territory when we start to forget that and we start to put demands on artists that they be um, what we want them to be. Um, I said that a million times already, but (laughs) but I, you know, like, again, I just kind of go back to the fact, like some of my favorite musicians, have projects that I'm not really into, but that's okay. You know, like I'm still going to listen to what I like. (laughs) um, And, and kind of live my life and let them live theirs.
0: that's a, that conversation about, as you said, saying a million times, which I think needs to be said a million times when it talks about Kanye, that, that freedom of expression in a lot of the stories that we've done with people, um, they've, bring up how empowering Kanye's uh, self-expression has been for them and his confidence in himself and his ability to say, like, no, you know what? I don't want to prescribe to what culture says I need to do or what society says I need to do or what the industry says I need to do. I need to do what I need to do. And I need to express what I need to express. And we've talked with people that have said that through his music, through his interviews, that they found a self-confidence to be themselves, that they hadn't found, uh, I guess, the allowance to be or the inspirational figure that made them feel it was okay to do that. Mm -hmm. So it, it is interesting to hear you know, Motown was all about that kind of forced. You're, go- you're like going, you going to yeah, the
1: the prepackaged content. Yeah, yeah,
0: and to then have it be at a point where we have a have a Kanye West doing Kanye West things really is empowering.
1: Yeah, well, and the fact that that you know his body of work is so complex, and um, that these conversations even happen, you know, <laughs> is a testament to to you know, the kind of legacy he's already he's already created. Um and you know, the the his his awareness it seems as to how he is contributing to that is I think very much present. Um you know he's as you saw in I'm sure the interview footage where you know he's talking about Dilla and he's he's kind of reminiscing and getting emotional um about that relationship and protective <laughs> you know, and defensive about Dilla's legacy in a way, which is, which I think speaks to um, the the still uh, strong feelings that he that he has about that. You know that you know artists are people, and they have relationships, and they have um, they have you know celebration, and they have pain, and they have you know joy, and they have sorrow, just like everyone else. And oftentimes, that's what we get, and if we don't understand that that moment from which this creativity came, you know, again, that's okay. Um, there, There's no, um, I think that once we kind of start to again, see uh, these connections that can be made to um, other genres of music outside of hip hop, because that, you know, we need to go a lot further back um, in terms of understanding um what that kind of foundation is, um, and especially for black artists in America, that you know, there, there shouldn't be limitations and constraints put on any one artist or another just just because, you know, and that this is a place where the the freedom and the create the, the, the freedom to be creative and that kind of, um, freedom of expression, whatever you want to call it, has been hard fought and hard won. And, you know, to stifle it again just is um, kind of, you know, I think disrespectful of <laughs> that history, you know, and and hopefully um, people who aren't as familiar will learn something by coming to the museum, looking through our collections, like seeing, you know, the... Um, the struggles that many artists have had um, in past generations, past decades, if you will, to, to gain the kind of um, opportunities that, that today I think um, audiences take for granted. I don't think the artists take them for granted, you know, but I think audiences often do um, or they're just not as aware. So I can, sorry, I, I can get all of my feelings about this.
0: But I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, just with that statement it makes me think about the fact that that we have hip-hop today as it is is kind of remarkable because if you were to take hip-hop and try to insert it into any other point of american uh life whether it's like the 1960s mainstream america nineteen nineteen ten eighteen thirties, 1910 1830s uh, We as the public wouldn't get to enjoy hip hop the way that we do today,
1: right? Right, no. I mean, that people kind of look to hip hop to be the catch all for activism and for you know this and that, and all those other things. And it's like the evolution and the the journey that hip hop has taken in a very, very short time is like light speed (laughs) for (laughs) a lot of other genres you know and um i don't i don't even always like putting music into genre categories right. sometimes you know that just seems again to be a way to put limitations on things but but yeah i mean who would have thought that this is where hip-hop would be today and and again you know like 30 40 years um it's it's astonishing really
0: it it absolutely is, and what's what's the ceiling, right? Like, where does it go? Where's, <laughs> where's the yeah. limit? Like, one of the things that we talk about a lot is that pop music, in and of itself, all genres inclusive, is a relatively new medium compared to, say, narrative in film or literature, poetry, uh, painting, and it's been interesting because we take the perspective that. Uh, Kanye has a number of concept albums uh, with mm. beginnings, middle, endings, and it's funny how much pushback that we can see on that. With mm. people just saying it's it's music, you're reading too much into it. Uh, it's just hip hop. It's it's just about the rhymes. You're looking too much into it. But given, I already feel there's more of a narrative bend to hip hop and its origins and an artistry in it that unites it in the narrative art kind of way with film with literature with poetry and more so than some other realms of pop music or other genres of pop music so i am personally really excited to see because i feel like in ushering in more of the narrative tendencies that we see in film and see in scene yes. literature that hip hop is a vehicle for that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting, you know that that we put that kind of pressure or or um, we interpret a hip hop record, you know, the way you just, just like stop being so heavy with it. Why are you making this more of a thing? Why can't you just you know do your rappity raps and like let <laughs> us enjoy it? And it's like you know, but we wouldn't put that same. We wouldn't say those same things maybe about, you know, like not you and me necessarily, but like <laughs> those same things might not be said about similar projects coming out of other quote unquote genres. And yet that is what hip hop is deeply rooted in, is in the messaging and being the voice of the voiceless and all these things. And So when did that flip, right? When did When did that change where hip hop is being criticized for being the very thing that it was created to be? Um and you know, an artist who makes a more of a concept project, as you said, or thinks about an album as a whole, um, as opposed to just thinking about a single or you know, like there's an order to listening to to the songs back, you know, when you had to do it that way unless you wanted to move the needle on the record every time you <laughs> listen to it. You know, there isn't this kind of individual singular, experience um or there wasn't that that we have today where it's like oh i like this song let me just hit this you know little button on my phone and buy that one song for 99 cents like no you've got to get the whole project you want to listen to it you know in its entirety from beginning to end to really understand the vision that the artist had and you know that in of itself is is a kind of throwback to um the way that a lot of um, black artists in particular use records to be statements even somebody like a max roach who you know for the most part has a the um, the uh, Freedom Now, um, which is not the actual title, but what I've just been calling it the the Suite that <laughs> um, has you know this this kind of instrumental journey that is a very much a statement and it was very intentional um, that that you know again these these projects are a continuum of those of those previous works and to kind of judge people for that because it's not as um, some might say accessible or, you know, it's harder for people to digest in terms of a a pop audience, in terms of just popular music necessarily, just pop the genre, um, I think is really interesting. And yet, you know, we celebrate some and we, you know, criticize others for various reasons. And I have to wonder if that's because of where they fit in, in this kind of genre uh, labeling that we're, that we're so keen to do. Um, instead of just kind of thinking it as music, right. And just thinking of it as a thing that can just exist without having preconceived kind of, um, judgments about it. I I don't know if that makes makes any sense, but then you have these kind of, like you said, um, hip hop in particular and evolution that running parallel with other mediums in pop culture. Um, and now it's being, um, included even more so in all those things. You look at a film uh, project that just, you know, I was lucky to see Black Panther last night for a screening
0: ah, and like lucky. this,
1: you know, the sound. <laughs> yeah, the soundtrack, you know, is embedded with hip hop and and the the score, not just the soundtrack as a standalone project with with Kendrick and many others. But like the score itself has elements of hip hop, has elements of, you know, lots of different um, um, traditional music coming out of Africa that is woven together in this, this beautiful, beautiful way. Um that really contributes to the journey of you know to the experience of the film. Um, and again, to have like hip hop being included and being embraced on that kind of a level is um, is is a really, I think, a demonstration of of where it's fitting in overall in our in our pop culture today.
0: I think that's a great example of what you said about the preconceived notions of film or, or of music. If somebody thinks like, this is what music is, or this is what this genre is for, then it really becomes static and inflexible. Uh, Things get pushed away that may otherwise uh, help the medium grow. Mm -hmm. And to see hip-hop come so far that it's not just uh, music that kids listen to or it's not just rebellious stories told on the streets, but that it's now the most popular selling music. But beyond that, it's now into the medium of film and being used to score music and Mm -hmm. score or to score a film is really, I don't know, that's, that's cool to see that Mm -hmm. even something like that, which seems so fixed in terms of classical sounds.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, it's it's not necessarily anything new. I mean, Public Enemy did that with He Got Game Mm -hmm. years and years ago. And that was, you know, People were just like, didn't know what to do with that, really. But, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there have been these moments where it's very clear that because I think hip hop is so limitless, um, that works in its favor, and that also works against it.
0: Yeah, because people want to limit, or want to limit when it's trying to reach huh.
1: and grow and continue to grow. Yeah, yeah. So. And you know again, like there's, it's rooted in so many different um, moments and, and people and places throughout this country, in terms of other musical traditions that you know you'd be hard-pressed to find anything in hip-hop that cannot be directly connected um, to, to something that came before it.
0: That's so cool. <laughs> before, uh, before you started working at the museum, Or how, how has your views on music changed from before you started working at the museum to after you started working at the museum? Mm.
1: Um, Wow. Uh, You know, I came to the Smithsonian in 2003, actually, uh, as an intern, and I was uh, processing music collections in the American Histories Archive Center. Um, So... We, you know, one of the things that that I was really thinking about that whole time was, you know, here I am working with these collections by notable jazz artists and others, and I'm seeing their influence or actually literally hearing them present in hip-hop and other, you know, more contemporary sounds and started to make those connections in a way that meant something different because I was surrounded by the actual stuff. You know what I mean? Like there's just a different kind of understanding and appreciation when you're literally holding a piece of paper that is for <laughs> an arrangement, you know, for a, a, a jazz tune or whatever that you're hearing on a Tribe Called Quest song, you know, like, it's a very <laughs> different kind, of, uh, kind of, of, of transformational moment, I guess. Um, so that really started to change the way I thought about, not just music in general, but how we um, understand these historical connections and how we're able to understand these historical connections because of the work that's being done, and are are we losing moments to understand and make those connections because of the work that was not being done? Mm. And so I started to think about how it was how important it would be. Um, to pay more attention to some of that contemporary work, for example, with hip hop, and you know, to to get people to start to kind of realize that, you know, we have the opportunity today to document um, these stories and create these primary sources, you know, essentially firsthand, because these artists are still here; they're they're literally walking the earth right now, and. <laughs> you know, we don't have that opportunity with Nina Simone. You know, we don't have that opportunity with people and nobody really did that kind of work with them when they were here, um, because oftentimes there weren't spaces for institutions to do that work. They weren't given that opportunity to even, you know, start um, a conversation with an artist because institutions weren't encouraged to document their stories. Mm. That's a very polite way of saying that black artists weren't being recognized in the same way. Yeah. Um in particular. And it's not necessarily on the because of the fault of the people doing the work. It's just this kind of you know, the, the the culture that we live in and the perspective that that you know, who's making the again, who's making the decisions about what deserves to be preserved or not. Yep. And So that all is a long-winded way of saying that that drastically changed the way I think about I think and interpret and internalize music now because I'm always aware of um, opportunities to dig a little deeper, to explore a little further, to make those connections um, and to live in this moment that the artist is creating for us today, but also explore the connections to the past. That's not to say that I don't just enjoy listening to music. Not like I, I'm not always like, you know, literally taking notes as I'm, as I'm listening, or, you know, just being such a nerd that I already am. But, you know, it's hard to kind of turn that off, right? Like, it's hard to, to not enjoy the privilege that I have to have that perspective, because you better believe that I absolutely check my privilege every single day, multiple times for various reasons. Like, that's very, very real to me. Because I get to come to this space and I get to do this work, and I'm lucky enough to be able to capture a lot of these stories firsthand from the actual people who are creating this history. Um, so you know that that is the biggest change for me, where it's just there's this sense of awareness about what's happening and this desire to know more and desire to not find out for me, necessarily, of course, I have my individual curiosities about things. But my desire to capture um, these stories and, and make sure that 500 years from now, you know, there is a primary source that, again, is a first-hand account from the artist as much as possible about that moment, about that song, about that record, about that music video, about that performance that, you know, is either in reaction to a moment or is creating a moment, or both. You know, a lot of a lot of music today is created in reaction to current events. And at the same time, you know, people have always reacted to music, and oftentimes, current events are influenced by what's happening on the airwaves. So that relationship um, is is really fascinating to me.
0: There's so much in that answer that I loved. And the- <laughs> The uh, I'm so glad I asked. The one thing that uh, really jumps out to me in talking about wanting to preserve stories, have these conversations with the artists that are out there walking, walking around. Um, as you said, what a uh, what conversation would you like to have with Kanye if you were able to sit down with him and start to collect his perspective?
1: Um. Well, you know that that. <laughs> There are ongoing conversations, you know, that are similar to what that would look like um, all the time. You know, the the biggest thing that I I would like artists to do um, is just start to think about what their legacy needs to them and start to think about what kind of impact they hope uh, is felt throughout the world because of their work and, start to thoughtfully explore um, the kinds of things that have fueled their creativity and and how and where and why they've been able to create. Um, because that helps us better understand the end result. And you know oftentimes it's a very lengthy conversation that spans years in terms of getting to a place where an artist is like, ready to share that, you know, and, and, and share that overall legacy because yeah, it's one thing to like, you know, put together a collection of iconic people and moments and figures and that's great. And we need that, but we also need the more multi-layered approach to um, that work. And so that's the kind of conversation that I have with artists often where it's like, you know, we're interested in your, your, your end result, of course, in terms of your impact of the impact of your work, but we're also interested in you as a a person and we have an investment in your journey and your story because that's how we can best explain um, that end result and, you know, that iconic moment or what, what it might be, whatever it might be. Um, So, you know, that's, that's really where that starts and where that, you know, when you see something on display in the museum, oftentimes it's the, the product of a conversation that starts just like that, where it's like, we just want you to um, kind of be in a, start to think about us being in a space like this, you know, and what that means to you and what you hope your legacy um, means to people of, of future generations.
0: That is a very cool job. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's it's pretty cool, yeah. It's I mean, it's it's a lot of um, it's a lot of thoughtful, um, you know, just like (laughs) thoughtfulness. That's a (laughs) a terrible (laughs) phrase, but you know, you just it's it's the the process is oftentimes deeply personal. Yeah. Um, And I you know, visitors to museums often don't think about maybe don't think about the journey for that story to get there you know for that guitar that, that costume or that you know manuscript or whatever to be in the case what had to happen for it to get there and you know I think that the way that we've kind of created communities um, in our collecting for this museum overall um, is is kind of groundbreaking you know in the way that we're approaching the storytelling and gathering the stories uh, first of all and and thinking about how to, how to be as inclusive and as transparent as we can in our work. Um, and that's really critical to it. So, you know, and, and to, to make sure that people understand that it's their voice still, you know, it's, it's not any one institution or museum coming in and, and rewriting their story for them. That's not our job. And I say that all the time. I just said this the other day. I was (laughs) talking to a classroom of students. Like, it's not my job to be the definitive voice of anything or to create the definitive narrative of anything um, in a singular voice. It's my job to assemble those voices and put together a collective narrative that is authentic and that is, you know, from a place that that. Is like I said, inclusive, you know. So by by sharing your your story with a place like this, you know, that doesn't mean that it's lost and that it's not yours anymore, <laughs> you know. Like we, <laughs> we, we we, you know, as much as possible, want to make sure that it's captured in a way that stays true um, to to that artist's um, kind of vision overall.
0: That's that's uh, something I'd never thought about as you said that most people don't necessarily think about how things got there I just always imagined it like hey give me that guitar that was Jimi Hendrix's and it's like okay (laughs) here it is and then it's like hey this guitar was Jimi Hendrix's but right
1: right I mean sometimes sometimes it is you know where it's just like okay this is this is that but you know that's that's been something we've we want to actively try to change and make it a more make it a more thoughtful process, you know, because, and again, for a museum like this, you know, a lot of these, I was, again, just talking about this to a, a group of students with my colleague Duane at Oberlin yesterday. Um, this is the first time a lot of people are being asked to even tell their story. So there's apprehension, you know, there's, there's it's not mistrust. It's just like, this is this is a new kind of thing for a lot of communities not just in music or performing arts but in general for for there to be for someone to just even ask about their story and their legacy and be interested in it in a way that is so genuine um that's that's a that's a whole other kind of level to to doing the work and it's not just a thank you for your legacy. Have a nice life. See you later. Bye. (laughs) You know, like we are, we are continuously invested in, in the relationships. And, um, again, I think that that contributes to kind of creating this community because, you know, I wouldn't tell anybody, um, to, to make a move on something that they weren't comfortable with. Um, just because it checks the box for me at work, (laughs) you know, like that's not how you do this.
0: No, that'd be a bittersweet gain. Right. Uh, This is really fascinating, though, because it speaks, I think there's a perception of museums as just capturing the far past uh, or being off in its own kind of uh, realm of existence that's a pocket universe away Mm -hmm. from the world at large. And to have it be that the museum dynamic is changing to really active measures of en- like engaging with figures and really getting to have the opportunity to talk with them, get their story, um, be a participant in assembling what is housed in the museum is pretty. Awesome to me, because <laughs> it, it's, it's different than a library where you're not just trying to get as many books, right, but the librarian able to go out and meet uh, the writers and assemble uh, more of the writer's personality through the conversations with them and to really capture that and not just have the work be its own thing disconnected from the world that's a That's a really cool endeavor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to do a whole museum kind of, because um, I mean, at the end of the day, the labels are the labels in the building. You know, like we only have 75 words. That's all we can do in terms <laughs> of like telling, you know, an object label or what have you. And that, but it's like, how are you crafting that? You know, and how are you best informed to write the best label you can? And it, uh, it usually means just like being just 100% present, you know, like that's all that that, that we can do. I mean, for any kind of work, you just have to be present in the moment and you have to be there for the work. And um, again, this investment that is being demonstrated by the stories that are being told in this museum is, is it's changing the game, really. I mean, not because of like my work in particular, but because of all of the work that's gone into all these exhibitions by all of my colleagues, you know, it's, it's, um, it's truly groundbreaking.
0: Awesome. I'm very glad we got to <laughs> have have this talk because it's not just, I mean, there are things that I learned about Kanye kind of that I'm excited about, but just that growing awareness of what uh, the Smithsonian is doing and just what you're able to do is, is very cool to know that that's going on. Um, real fast, do you remember uh, when you first heard Kanye's music? while working at the oh, wow. museum was it 2004 when college dropout came out was it a little later well
1: in 2004 i was here in dc mm-hmm. yeah um but what's interesting is that you know i'm from wisconsin i'm rural wisconsin and so we tend to claim any midwestern artist as our own right because we don't have a whole lot of people coming out of wisconsin who are like making hip-hop um and my my dad's brother um lived in Chicago my whole childhood. So I was there all the time as a kid. And, you know, so I felt connected to Chicago. And as a result, like being in D.C., that was like the second year I was here. Um, so any kind of connection I could get to the Midwest and kind of feeling that sense of home, I I took it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so even if that's like this, like five times removed way of listening to Kanye West, then that's what it was. You know, like that, that... Um, Provided me with a with a I guess a sense of comfort in a way, but also something again in in the world of hip hop that I could be like, yeah, Midwest, I can claim this, you know. Like <laughs> I don't I have no business, you know, in any kind of hip hop space. And at that time in particular, you know, I was just starting to to to, to kind of get to know a lot more of it via the work. Um, but absolutely, I mean, listening to it, absolutely. Like I was I was here, I was at American History, and I had just. Um, I think I had just finished the internship actually and was starting to do contracts and stuff. Um, but yeah, like that was that was a that was a very transitional kind of time period for me because I wasn't sure how long I was gonna stay in DC or if I was gonna stay. Um, and lo and behold, you know, here we are. It's twenty eighteen and I'm a federal employee of the <laughs> Smithsonian, <owning> <laughs> And I never left. Uh, so so yeah, I have I have memories of, of that album in particular, um, in in that in that in those kinds of moments. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting the way that that you stay kind of, um, and I think that's a fascinating thing with hip hop in particular. But it's also a, a deep continuation um, in every other uh, musical genre. Is this notion of region and this sense of place? Um, it's it's real. It's strong. It's really strong, and people. You know, it's really important um, to a lot of people to not just, like, represent the hometown or the home space, but just to have a, like I said, a sense of of, uh, of a connection.
0: Yeah, that's uh, a lot of people that we've talked to that have that Chicago connection are just so proud mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way of, like, that's, that's like, I I heard Through the Wire, like, before the album even came out, and we were just all so excited about, like, we're going to have this guy, Kanye, <laughs> Or Kane, like
1: <laughs> right, back in those right. days,
0: as people were learning the name. Um, and then, real fast, uh, favorite Kanye album?
1: Oh, Oh. I didn't expect that question. <laughs> Surprise! Um,
0: Surprise! Yeah,
1: I don't know. It's a, um, I don't know. It's a, it might be a toss up.
0: That is <laughs> okay. Yeah. Am
1: I allowed? Am I allowed that?
0: Yeah, um, you're allowed that. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's,
0: no limitations, right? Uh, uh,
1: well, I'm. I mean, it, it might be caught between college dropout and eight oh eight and heartbreak. I don't uh, know.
0: That's quite a it's quite a one two punch.
1: Yeah, because for different reasons. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I could pick between the two. Um, I haven't spent enough time with the more recent records. Um, and I think, cause I'm, I'm very much a person who like, I lif- I reflect on music as to how it informs like moments in my life clearly. And I just did with, you know, <laughs> that first record. Um, and so I often need a little more time to pass before I kind of process it. But like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think I can pick between those two. Um, yeah, again, but for very different, very different reasons. <laughs>
0: Because <laughs> I, I feel like college dropout is there's something just about the music where you're like, oh, this music is like great. I'm engaged. Like there's there's fun to be had. There's also awareness to be had with something like mm-hmm. All Falls Down. But then with mm-hmm. 808s, it's so like emotionally personal that it's mm-hmm. such a an interior experience rather than external experience.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Which is which is probably why. Um, yeah, I'd have to, you know what, I could probably do a lot of thinking about why that record was, <laughs> uh, why that has an impact or kind of resonates with me in terms of what was happening in my life around that time. Um, but that's the beauty of, of music, right? Like you're experiencing his moments, but then you're also kind of creating your own at the same time. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then, that's, my, that's my non-answer answer. <laughs> no, that's that's a good answer. And then lastly, uh, any any final, we like to give people kind of a, a last call moment of just final thoughts uh, that they want to share on Kanye, Kanye's legacy, music, uh, personal relationship, anything like that. So this would be your last call moments.
1: Oh, I just think that, you know, with somebody like Kanye, it's a journey. You know, we're on a journey with him. and. We have no idea what's going to happen, and that's okay. And just like any other artist, you know, love him or hate him, I think you should just respect his creativity, um, because at the end of the day, that's what we would want for our own work. Um, and you know, give people the space they need to do that work and to be creative. And you know that that you know he's he's definitely contributing to our pop culture. In multiple ways, and I think it's going to be fascinating to look back in 10 years and, and, and see the progression of that influence, and um, hopefully be able to um, reflect on his continued, you know, brilliant contributions um, to music in particular.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family